So I'm over the moon to announce that we've got a new sponsor. It's BDO, who are the trusted accountancy and advisory firm that you may know. BDO is the perfect partner for our podcast, as we both love to help entrepreneurs build high-value businesses, and BDO are always there to help advise people like you on how to succeed. I had the pleasure of meeting a few of the team at the Publican Awards, and I found out they were massive fans of the podcast, were obsessed with the success of our industry, and also a million miles away from the grey-suited drones that you usually deal with. To check out more about BDO and how they can help you get to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Supersonic! 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 From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up, tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. So today is a bit of a short episode and it's an interview with just the amazingly delightful and fun David McDowell, who is the retail CEO for The Notorious Brewdog. I was interviewing David at Pub 19. It was lovely to catch up with a fellow Scotsman. Also, we're usually passing each other on stage rather than being together on stage. So it was really great to get to ask him the questions that you all hopefully want to know. Lots of great stuff going on for Brewdog, about to hit the 100 bar mark and bar limit, which is really exciting, and I just can't wait to see what they're going to do next. There's just inventions and innovation from Brewdog every single day. Hello, David. Hello, Mark. (laughs) A couple of of broad (laughs) Scottish accents. Well, yeah, there's no subtitles. I'm really sorry. We'll try our best. If you just think about Shrek... You should be fine. Everything will be okay. Or Mel Gibson, something like that. Um, So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Mark McCulloch and lucky enough to be joined by David and your good selves today. So um, without further ado then, I guess we'll go into a bit of David's X Factor journey um, and all that stuff. So yeah, it'd be really good, David, to understand how the hell you got to rule this doggish empire. Yeah, I'm going to keep this bit relatively brief, okay. right? Some cold play in the background and stuff like that. But I, um, I studied marketing at university and, and from there moved into graduate program with Bass Leisure Retail, which became M&B. And through a number, after that, through a number of independent operational roles, I spent six years as group ops director at a Scottish business called the, the G1 Group and took that from 19 to 60 locations. Um, and then four and a half years ago, joined Planet Brewdog as MD of the bars business and further on from that as CEO. Joined when there was 14 locations. We just opened site number 83 last week um, with 30 or so more in the pipeline for this year. And how is it different then to what it's like now? You know, if you, if you think of that four-year four mega journey. I, I have a more encyclopedic knowledge of airport lounges um, <laughs> for a start. Um, the geography's got broader. 
But I guess the real answer is, in many ways, it's not. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the foundational principles of why the business has been able to go at pace and momentum um, um, and, uh, and, you know, fastest growing food and drink business in the UK for the last six years combined, I think. Um, and um, the reasons behind that for me, the primary reason behind that is that we are a mission and purpose focused organization. So the, one of the proudest parts of the Brewdog journey for me is that, you know, our mission is to make other people as passionate about great craft beer as we are. Yeah. And I think if you speak to anyone in the team, they understand that clear singular vision really really well um so you know bigger team broader geography bigger challenges week in week out but that same core founding principle yeah. is stronger than it's ever been in my view so we met up in november to discuss this um so there's a bit of pre-planning um so it wouldn't be a brew dog panel without some swearing so i guess the question that's on everyone's mind and we get asked a lot of the time how the f did you do this yeah, I mean, I, 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 a number of things is the answer to that, but, they're, uh, but to distill it down to its kind of simplest form for me, there they're, they're really are, are two things. And the first thing is that we've never forgotten that we're a beer business. Um, so as the geography has grown, as the team has grown, as the complexity of the offer at times has grown, fundamentally priority number one, two, three, four, and five is Beer. We live or die by what's in the can, glass, bottle, how we dispense that to our precious customers, right? So for me, that singularity of focus on product um, has been one of the real founding principles of, of the business. And it, tie, it gives us a true north. Yeah. Um, and it means that we, you know, we've occasionally veered off that true north, but we know pretty quickly because, you know, we're good beer guys. Um, uh, and fundamentally, that's where, the, that's where the, the, the kind of talent and passion and expertise within the team lies. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is, is equally, if not more important, which is that the, there's 1,500 people in the team now. And I think we have built a network of people who work for us and with us who are real A players. Um, and show an incredible amount of ingenuity, grit, and determination and resilience day in, day out. You know, it, it, growing at the pace that we have, the ambition and the kind of audacity of that growth means that, you know what, shit goes wrong all the fucking time. Yeah. All the time. Um, and our team are phenomenal in the face of adversity and they retain a relentless enthusiasm for what we do. And I think that, coupled with that real singularity of focus on the product, has mm. been, has been if, where the magic really lies, yeah. Mark. Well, I think also, when we were chatting before, I mean, I can see your wee badge on your, on your shirt. And a lot of the analogies were about being seafaring. And when I asked you as well back then, what's your job like every day? And you just basically said you get punched in the face 400, 4,000, 40,000 times a, a day. And it's just having that resilience to, to keep going. It'd be quite good to hear a bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that. It's great fun. And, um, <laughs> um, um, but for me, like, if, when, you're, when you're in a real fast growth business, then if, if three days out of five go well, you have won a massive watch. Yep. Um, um, and, 
Yeah, well, you, you know, the, the James, who, fa- who co-founded the business, used to be captain of a North Sea fishing boat. So there's lots of kind of seafaring references that go around our um, cultural discussions and team discussions. And one of the things that we always refer back to that's forever stuck in my head is that I think that, you know, when, when the waters are calm at sea, it's pretty straightforward to be someone who performs well. However, we find out, and I firmly believe that in business we find who our very, very best people are when the waters are choppy. Yeah. Um, and um, and things, are, things are against us. Um, and having a depth of resilience and determination and grit that is, you know, that goes deeper than competitors or an average business um, has been incredibly important for us getting stuff done and overcoming massive hurdles and, and delivering projects and growth in the face of some really meaningful challenges over the years. Tsunamis. I uh, one or two. <laughs> and I think, you know, just to bring that point out, having that true North Star, having that clear brand proposition, there's so many businesses that we see every single day and they don't have that and that's why they're going out of business. So, you know, there's a, you, you guys are like no compromises on so many things across the board. How do you stick to that? Do you know that's like a really hard thing? So one of our one of our key values, one of our key charter points is that we're uncompromising and and I think that it's incredibly difficult to continue to maintain that. But for us there's got to be a framework within your within which your brand exists that you're just not prepared to deviate from. Otherwise, what have you got? Uh, and for me, you know, in terms of product and location and um, and people and team and opportunities, you know, there's there's, you know, we say more, we say no to more stuff than we do. Yeah. Um, 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 and I think that's a good gauge of the fact that we, you know, know when to get involved in something that's really in our in our wheelhouse. Um, and as I said earlier, you know, you go in this fast, you're going to make mistakes all the time. And because we've got that clear cultural and brand framework, you know right away. And if you don't know, the team are going to tell you. Mm. Um, 95,000 shareholders around the world are going to tell you. Um, um, so there's, it creates this natural eco-structure of checks and balances about doing the right thing by the brand. And on those big outlandish decisions, you know, anyone in the audience is seeing Brewdog being notorious, you know, day in, day out, making the headlines, doing all these things. You know, can you talk a bit about what's went right, what's went wrong, how you guys feel on the inside when something blows up, you know, in, in that sense? I think, you know, we've always been and will continue to be brave enough to kind of stick our head above the parapet and, and talk about what we, what we believe in. And I think 70, 80% of the time, that's been super positive for the business and helped us propel the whole thing forward. I think that what, get, you know, what gets us through when we've made a bad decision is that the business is really transparent. Um, and, I, you know, and I think that um, being open and honest with our shareholders and our team, um, being open and honest and visible as a leadership team who run the thing, um, and drawing ourselves back to why the whole thing exists in the first place and saying, well, hands up, we shouldn't have done that, is the most powerful thing that we can do. And I actually think that if we get, if we, if we get something wrong and deal with it in a really transparent way... Um, uh, and put our hands up and say, well, actually, we're going to do this instead. And we did a thing this year called the Brewdog Blueprint, which was kind of centered around saying, 
we made a few decisions that didn't quite work for the brand. So here's everything we're going to do next year. Yeah. Um, um, and I think that great businesses take those opportunities to come out the other side stronger. Um, and I think that it actually augments and amplifies the brand if you deal with the challenging stuff and the mistakes or the PR issues in the right way. Yeah. So obviously we're here to talk about pubs um, as opposed to the beer on its own. So thinking about the industry at the moment and the state it's in, good, bad, indifferent, wet-led, food-led, whatever, how are you feeling about the industry in general? What, what are you seeing? Do you know, I think we're really back to front about this sometimes, okay. Mark. So I think that we will, you know, yes, it's a really difficult challenge in time to be an operator, right? Because if you're if your proposition isn't clearly differentiated, if you're not relentlessly focused on trying to continue to evolve that consumer offering, then everyone's biting at your heels to catch up with you. And we often talk about that. But actually what we should talk about for me are two other things. First of all, it's just a brilliant time to be a consumer, right? So there's so, I mean, I uh, was in London last night, there was a queue outside the door of Flatiron, there was a queue outside the door of Deschum, clearly differentiated offers, nailing it and hundreds of customers having a brilliant experience. So because us poor operators are having to work harder than we ever had, then the flip side is that customers are getting more choice and innovation than they have ever had. Um, and for me, that's a really awesome thing. Um, and aside from that, I think what it's meant is that we're more innovative than, it, than ever, and not just in terms of what we offer the consumer, but in terms of our, how we look after our teams, in terms of property, in terms of how we build our businesses holistically. And because of that, I think the wider world and the wider business community is starting to realize that this industry that we all work in is super, super innovative, yep. is very, very forward thinking, and is actually leading the way in a lot of ways um, and a lot of aspects of, uh, of how the country propels forward from a business perspective. So for me, those two things are mega positive, but uh, yeah, um, really hard work for operators at the moment, for sure. Poor old operators. Is it not a good marketing job why there's queues out the door now? Potentially, yeah. <laughs> From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the good folk at BDO. BDO have been long-term supporters of the hospitality sector and they are really passionate about supporting innovative entrepreneurs on their journeys and they also want to give you the right advice and support to grow your business. Just in case you don't know, BDO provides tailored advice to the sector across corporate finance, due diligence, tax and all accounting matters. BDO work tirelessly to give their clients the advice that they need when they need it to succeed. For more information on BDO and how they can take your business to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Hashtag ad. So thinking about employee engagement as well, right? You know, again, there's shortage of chefs in the industry, bartenders, you know, go across the board. You guys don't seem to be struggling much at all. So, you know, in that sense, what are you doing from an employee engagement perspective to get everyone excited and retained? Well, listen, you know, I think everyone's struggling. I think it's really hard work. Mm. Um, and I think like long gone, or I think there's just a general realization that long gone are the days that it's enough for people to, you know, have a job where they pour pints and serve beer um, um, when there are so many options out there. 
I think it all draws back to the fact that you know, our growth plans have been ambitious. We're a mission and purpose focused business. We're doing tons of stuff. And really, we only can get half of the way there if we have an incredibly engaged and motivated team who believe what we believe. Yeah. So I don't think you get that by doing things in the normal or average way around how you look after a hospitality business. So uh, loads of things. Um, I guess a couple to call out were that, you know, t- Four years ago, we were the first national business to become a, a real living wage um, accredited company. So Living Wage Foundation, Living Wage since November 2014. Um, we want to rest easy at night knowing that a thousand people who day in, day out perform this magical transaction where they look after someone on the other side of the bar or the table, go home at the end of the night with enough money in their pocket to live. So that was a really big thing. And over and above that, we wanted to try and take the level of engagement of our teams to another level by creating a sense of real ownership over the business. So we launched a thing called the Unicorn Funds a couple of years ago, where we take 20% of the EBITDA of our businesses and share it equally, 10% of it equally amongst the team and 10% of it equally, uh, sorry, 10% of it with charities that the team help us select. Um, so therefore, over and above that, a raft of other things, we are continually challenging ourselves to engage the teams more. Um, but, those, uh, but those things helped us hopefully create a culture whereby the people who are most important, the people who deliver the interaction where we win people's hearts and minds, feel a little bit more, or considerably more than people who just you know, sling beer over a bar. Yeah. I think there was a personal favourite as well. I don't know if anyone saw, but anything you do in that area seems to get news. But there was the paternity thing or whatever it was, you know, where if you had a new dog, you got two weeks off or something like this. Yes, but it's just so, fun so. stuff, right? You know, that, that's doing the basics well, doing the good stuff well. But I think having some fun stuff on top is kind of cool. Sure, we did, we did a thing called puppy paternity where yeah. um, every, everyone in our team, if they get a new dog, they get a week puppy paternity leave um, um, and, what about cats um, no cat we're, we're anti-cat right <laughs> um, uh, but um, it was um, it's, it was great it came from the idea the embryo of the idea came from our teams yeah. um, in a brainstorming session um, we ran with it um, and uh, teams love it media loved it as well we were on CNN and Fox News and all sorts it was it was huge um, but I think it it speaks to a growing trend where People want to see the inside of businesses. Yeah. Um, uh, and people want to, you know, your internals and your external, right? So people want to understand the nuts and bolts of what you do. And for a piece of employee engagement activity to get 10 times more PR than anything yeah. we did that year intentionally to go out and drive the brand of the product, I think is a re- speaks to a, a really growing trend around you know, consumers really want to know the nuts and bolts of the inside of what's happening in a business. And you're, again, from an employee engagement perspective, you're really good at taking those ideas that the, the, the team have and then rolling it out into pubs where it actually kind of happened. So the, there was a couple of initiatives in that area as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we do quite a lot of stuff, Mark. I mean, one of my favorite things we do is a, a, a program called Dogs on Deck. So all of our senior leadership team directors, the founders of the business, spend time working in our bars, behind the bar, on the floor, in the kitchen, alongside our teams. Um, I do a shift on the bar 
every month, one night a month. I'm on the rota. You know, I don't have my phone or my laptop with me. I don't take my break until the GM tells me to take my break, and they take full advantage of that. Um, um, but I get to do some really important stuff. Um, you won't get any closer to the front line of where stuff's happening. Yeah. And I think the bigger we get, the smaller we need to act. Yeah. Um, and aside from that, I get to talk to some really important groups of people in our business. Mm-hmm. So I spend time talking to our team. Yeah. And the embryo of some brilliant innovation and also just some little incremental wins comes from that. I spend talk- time talking to the people who have invested their hard-earned cash to help us grow this business. So 95,000 people around the world who on average have invested £400 or so to help us grow this thing and who believe passionately in what we do. And I get to talk to customers who come in and out of our bars day in, day out, and it's, the, it's undoubtedly the most valuable seven or eight hours that I spend every month. Um, um, and whether we have 80, 180 or 280 locations... I, I'll, I'll still do that. Yeah. And then what about people that you admire? You know, I, I think you're a bit of a category of one and, you know, a lone wolf, ho-ho and all that stuff. But I think for you guys, you know, who are you looking to that you think is doing a good job? You I mean, you mentioned Flatiron and Dishoom, but pub-wise, brand-wise, food and drink, you know, you got any people that you're sort of admiring out there? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of strands to that. Mark, and I think the, the, the first point is that, you know, we are, we're beer geeks, we're uber beer geeks. Um, so we're um, super passionate about monitoring and supporting craft beer in the UK and, and beyond. And, and aside from that, we pay very close attention to what's happening, you know, all over the country and beyond in awesome craft beer tap rooms and brew pubs. And, um, you know, I'm just back from the States and I'm a big fan of some of the new modern times brew pubs that have popped up that are just incredible. Yeah, I mean... Things like, I think, I find Dishoom really inspiring because of the, the, the kind of depth of authenticity in the, in the consumer offering. So loads of stuff like that. Yeah. At, at the other end of that, I think that for me, I take a lot of inspiration from the, the, the people who are a bit further down the journey from us who are executing and operationally delivering just really, really, really well. So when I look at a Pre or a Wagamama or a Weatherspoons and think, actually, that restlessness to continually say what we did yesterday was great, but it's not good enough for tomorrow. And those tiny dozens and dozens every month of tiny incremental wins that drive sustainability and long-term growth and long-term opportunity is, is... I find, I find really, really inspiring. So it certainly comes from two different angles, yeah. I think. I think that's really cool, especially with Wagamama, that internal thing. I know it's not pubs, but they run on something called Kaizen. So it is, you know, literally the next day has to be better than the, the day before. So it's quite a good thing to, to push the teams in that direction. So I think we've got a little under 10 minutes left. So a couple of other things was... Um, social media and TripAdvisor and all these kind of things because you know we have a range of clients that are saying oh it's all fake it's my competitors that are complaining and da 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 what do you think about that how do you treat that stuff our our, um, our, our head of marketing is over there and um, if she had her phone she would be able to show you that like 15 minutes ago I sent her a screenshot of uh, a Twitter comment from a customer yeah um um, and I think that, you know, we need to be 
utterly obsessed with what our consumers are saying about us on whatever forum it may be. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's good enough anymore to wait till the weekly report comes out. Yeah. Um, because the best retailers are on it. And the other thing for me is that I think there's, an, there's a growing trend to be like, well, actually, half of what's on TripAdvisor is nonsense, so I don't read it. Um, I, I agree that half of it is challenging stuff sometimes. But for me, if someone's taken the time to press a button on a keyboard, then they've had an emotive response to your brand and your, um, and your business. And we're not going to be any worse off by trying to take some sort of fresh perspective from that. Uh, so for me, it means that the team and the business needs to be 24 hours a day switched on to what our customers are thinking and, um, uh, and, and talking about our business. And I think we should just always, always, always take the opportunity, even if we look on the piece of feedback and we question its credibility, yeah. we should always look at it as an opportunity to see things from a fresh perspective. Yeah. Um, so I continually reply directly to customers on... Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Do the team um, like that? Um, they love it. They really oh, they enjoy do. it. Um, I will... I'm constantly the first first guy on the scene of the crime. Probably give up when that stops happening. And it, I think it breeds a culture where we react quickly to what our customers have got to say. Yeah. And I think that shows our customers that we give a fuck about what they have to yeah. say. And then, I guess, the last thing then to cover in the last five minutes is, um, yeah, global domination and the future and all these things, so what's happening there? You want five minutes on global domination? <laughs> yeah, go. Well, 5.45, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Lisa, there's, lo- there's lots happening. We're, we're, we're kind of proud of where, we, where we've got to. Uh, I think that we, um, we did some awesome stuff last year. We added 34 new locations. Very proud to buy the Draft House business last year to give us more of a London footprint. Uh, we opened our first hotel in the States um, called Dog House, which is a really interesting project. There's draft punk IP on everybody's in every room, um, and there's a fridge in every shower full of our beer, so you can have a Brewdog beer in the shower, um, um, and much, much more. But um, we just have great fun creating immersive beery experiences. So this year, another 30 or so locations. Uh, we'll pass the 100 site mark this year, which feels like a bit of a milestone for the for the team in the business. Some great um, iconic cities this year. So we're doing Shanghai this year with two locations in Paris, the first of which opens in March. Uh, and, we're hoping to, uh, and we're hoping to do Brooklyn and NYC this year as well. So um, really exciting stuff. And really only possible because this small kind of band of merry men who get this thing done are exceptionally talented um, and firmly believe that they're making a little bit of a difference to the world of beer day in, day out. So we'll, we'll continue to go as hard as we can until... Someone tells us that we shouldn't. <laughs> and then just thinking about anyone in the audience, you know, whether they're a large operator or, you know, of a slightly smaller independent business, is there any sort of tips of, uh, you know, watch outs or words of wisdom that you live by when you're operating every day? Um, okay, um, I guess whether it's wise or not will be dictated by people <laughs> who listen. But um, um, for me, the, I think that the one thing that I, I kind of draw back to is that we're really bad in this country and in this industry at overcomplicating the whole thing. So for me, and I referred to this earlier actually, the business, our businesses only exist, you know, my business only exists because of that magical transaction between someone awesome in our team and someone on the other side of the bar. 
And everything else is utterly superfluous to that. But we're brilliant at adding stuff. Infrastructure, process, bureaucracy, regulation, and a raft of other things that pull our energy away from that magical transaction. So I think whether you are a, you know, um, a little coffee shop some, somewhere or a couple of hundred pubs, then for me, remembering that, I mean, I, how I try and spend my time is supporting the team to make that transaction between customer and team member a little bit more magical every day. Um, um, and if anything gets in the way of that, then I, I try and brush it away. Um, so yeah, just keeping that simplicity and remembering that you know hospitality should be a wonderful, exciting, and simple thing, and we shouldn't overcomplicate it. Brilliant. Well, if you join me in a big round of applause for David, that was excellent. And I think we've got some time for some questions. If anyone had any questions for David, we've got a brave soul. Hi, I'm Sarah Johnson from the Living Wage Foundation. Hi, Sarah. So brilliant to hear about um, the Living Wage. Um, it'd be great if you could share a bit more about your motivation to become Living Wage employers, and I guess the kind of the benefits you've seen has it differentiated you from other businesses? Thank great. you. I could talk about this for a long time. So we, um, um, I'll try not to, um, but. For me, the, the motivation was we, um, we're growing something that we want to look back on in five, ten years and be proud of, right? Um, so to help us do that, we want to rest easy at night that the people who have helped us grow this crazy business um, win as we win. Um, so that was one of the, the real things. And actually, just as a point of context, we did that when we were at 14 locations and we were loss-making. So the business wasn't making any, mon any money at all and we took the call to effectively give everybody a £2 on an hour pay rise. So it was a bold decision. Um, I think since then we've seen a number of great things. Our, our staff turnover has reduced dramatically um, from almost 100% in, in the region of, kind of 39 to 40%. So we keep our teams, our retention is much better. People who move into senior roles within the business, 86% of those people are promoted through the business. Um, and I think that speaks to people staying with us longer, believing in the mission and having the wherewithal uh, to, to, to kind of move through the ranks. Our customer feedback undoubtedly got better because there was more consistency. So, you know, less turnover, more retention, more consistency of the consumer experience. Um, um, and, and subsequently, you know, a better customer experience. And last but not least, that meant that we've delivered for four and a bit years now, like for like sales ahead of the market. So all those things combined, I think, talk to that being a great investment. It was a big, bold decision at the time, um, but it's one of the ones that we've made that I'm, I'm most proud of. Any others? Oh, go on over here. Hi, David. That was great. Really inspiring to hear from you. We're about uh, dogs in pubs, and don't worry, it's not a sales pitch. Um, what we struggle sometimes, I wonder if you could offer some advice, is reaching people, perhaps like yourselves, in those pubs who would be interested. So have you got some advice of how a business trying to sell into pubs could do that to reach uh, people like yourself who'd be in a position to make those decisions? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think, like, for me, it's... You, um, it's, it's it's natural that the people that you're speaking to are getting bombarded with stuff. So in the same way that if I want you to come and drink beer in my pub, then I've got to give you more, right? I've got to give you a differentiated reason for, for coming in and spending your very hard-earned cash on beer in my business. And it's the same thing. You just have to find a way to stand out and scream about 
your business's mission. Um, and I think that's the bit that gets me excited when I'm speaking to people that we decide to support in our, in our locations. And, um, um, so, um, and over and above that, to, ref to reference my advice from earlier on, it's going to take a ton of relentlessness and resilience and grit and determination and you're going to get kicked in the balls a few times. Um, and I think that with most businesses, the great ones get back up and learn from that and, and fight really hard for what they believe in. So that's my advice. Aside from that, we love dogs in our pubs. So um, it's a massive part of what we do. Um, 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 we just launched a thing where every one of our bars has a thing called a canine hydration station um, where, where your dog can get some water and we put pictures of your dog up on the wall. So yeah, big big dog fans, so we should chat. And um, uh, But yeah, for me, it's just about standing out from the crowd. It looks like your approach worked. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Class dismissed. So that was fun. That was the interview with David McDowell, who is the retail CEO at BrewDog. Hopefully you could understand the Scottish accents and you gained a lot from the episode. I certainly did. And as I say, it was just so nice to actually spend some time with David because we're either usually passing each other like ships in the night or tweeting each other late at night. Thanks to Gaz and Gabby for pulling together the Supersonic podcast. Thanks to all of you for listening, your messages of support and sharing it with all of your network. We really, really appreciate it. Huge thanks to BDO, our sponsor as well, for all of their support from the early days and their messages of encouragement. We really appreciate it. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you for listening. Thank you so much. I hope that today's podcast brought you some real value to make your brand boom. Boom.